Too often, faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzer. Great to be with you today. It's the first podcast of the month of April, so as I've been doing this whole year, I've been bringing on the lovely Susie Kinzera to join me because we're going to talk a little bit about what we're going to be talking about at chapel. So welcome, Susie. Hello, friends. Good to see you again. <laughs> like to I haven't, see you. As if I haven't seen you since last month. But I have. I have. Uh, also, our dog, Ruben, is joining us, but he doesn't usually have a lot to say, so he'll just be sitting quietly at our feet or looking out the window or something. Before we jump in, just wanted to address this because this is the first podcast that I've recorded since this happened, and about a week ago, there was a horrible shooting down in Nashville, and six people lost their lives, another tragic school shooting, and I'm not a person that wants to make any sort of specific statement about that. It's obviously horrible. There's obviously things that we as a country and a culture have to address. But I was in this really unique spot because this happened on Monday and uh, Monday of last week and the following day. So I was in a hotel room when I found out it happened and what I was going to be doing the following day was speaking with an organization called Rachel's Challenge, which was started in honor of a young woman who lost her life at a school shooting. So it was this really weird, um, surreal kind of moment. Yeah, this kind of strange moment when I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to feel about that because, you know, this just happened, uh, everybody's aware of it, and then we're going to be talking about it in a school. And, and so all that to say, like a lot of people have their opinions on what should be done, what shouldn't be done. Um, even that morning in the school, I was having a conversation with the gym teacher uh, about what he thought, you know, should be done or shouldn't be done to keep our schools safe. But the one of the blessings of working with Rachel's Challenge is just getting to know Rachel Scott. She's the first Columbine High School victim. Uh, she's the first person that lost her life that day. And so being a part of the organization, I've gotten a chance to know her father who started the organization and his name is Daryl. And this is all I'll say about this is simply that from Daryl's perspective, even in a way from Rachel's perspective, the solution to these problems of people struggling so bad is to do the little things well. Uh, all we, Yes, we can look at what we can do legislatively and all of those kinds of things and gun control. And of, of course, of course, we have to look at those things. But the one thing that we can all do is just be aware of who's around us and then be very intentional and targeted with our kindness and compassion. And so the entire program that we do in response to the Columbine High School tragedy is, and, and this is what Rachel's dad wanted to do is simply start an organization that taught about kindness, compassion, and connection. And so that's the whole focus of the programming that we do. And so as we think about this, as we mourn for the loss of more young people in our schools, let's remember to always have our eyes and ears open to the people in our own circles. And when we see somebody who is struggling, 
it's very important that we don't stay quiet and that we see how they're doing or see if we can help them out in any way, shape or form. Because if we all just live life in a way that we're taking care of the people around us, even the people that we don't know well, even the people that are kind of the outcasts, um, you know, if we're reaching out to everybody around us and just doing our job to try to make sure that people are doing okay. And we would hope somebody would do that for us as well if we were struggling, right? And so that's, that's my only challenge for all of us as a culture and as a society on you know at right after this happened in Nashville is just to be reminded to have our eyes open uh, to live a life with kindness and compassion at the forefront uh, because you just never know like the words you could say to somebody today could be life-altering for them you know either good or bad but if we are people who encourage uplift invite in uh, be a part of all of those kinds of things it will be a better world for it Um, we live in a culture that tends to be very selfish very self-focused and um, and you know if I'm honest that's a lot of times I'm not always looking out and seeing the people that I need to reach out to or be kind to around me and so um, let's just do the simple work of being kind to one another being kind to the people around us and even targeting the people who are you know a, a little bit more challenged or don't have a solid community around them to reach out to them and invite them into something that we're involved with and uh, I, I think it matters I think it would matter if, if that's the one step that we all decided to take. Well, Susie, here we are. This is the week of, this is Holy Week. We're in Holy Week right now. And Holy Week just represents the week before Easter. And so it's kind of cool because, so chapel is a live event that we do in Eau Claire every second Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) I had to think there for a second. Every second Sunday of the month. And it just happened to fall on Easter. We didn't plan it. We didn't really even notice it until a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, hey, what are we going to talk about at chapel? And then we looked at it. It's like, hey, you know, that's Easter Sunday. So we should maybe talk about the resurrection, which would be good. And so for those of you who are local to us, So we're in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We do the chapel at Cabin Coffee, which is in Altoona, Wisconsin. And we will be there at 6.30 on Easter Sunday, which is the 9th, I believe. I'm going to go with that, Susie. Can you look it up on... on that's a, you're going to have to get a little closer to this microphone if you want anybody to hear you today. It is the ninth. It's the ninth. We got it right. So on the ninth at six thirty, if you're available or if you're looking for something to do for Easter, come join us, and it will be a great time. <laughs> you told me to get closer. <laughs> and yes, that'll work. That'll work. So, so we thought we would just uh, we haven't decided what we're going to kind of focus on for chapel, other than we're going to focus on Jesus and the resurrection and what we celebrate with Resurrection Sunday. But we thought, well, we'll just reminisce and maybe as we talk about what we talk about on this podcast, maybe something will come to our minds because we've had a lot going on lately. So we haven't had like our good couch sitting session where we come up with the ideas. But we did have a good conversation last night around this and Matt had asked me like, you know, what are, what would you want to share about, about Easter, your thoughts about Easter and my revelation in that moment so I'll just stick with it for now, was just that I need to relook at why I celebrate Easter because we were so caught up in the busyness of Easter. And we'll share a little bit of our stories when we were in church ministry. And uh, it's not that Easter isn't important, but I told Matt, I'm like, I'm hanging on to Jesus every day. So like, 
the fact that he is my savior every day. Like I just think about him and how I need him every day that like Easter, I'm not an Easter Christian or a Christmas Christian. Like, so the holidays have become less, our American culture holidays have become less and less significant to me and just Jesus in my life and who he is and what he has done for me and for us and for our family is significant, but it will be good to look at this next week. Like, how do we want to celebrate Easter? Yeah, I, I'm excited about it. Excited to see what we come up if we come up with anything <laughs> for that matter. Um, yeah, boy, if you've never been here, here's the thing talking about being kind and reaching out. If you know anybody that's in the arts part of a church, <laughs> reach out to them and see how they're doing this week. Because yeah. I'm telling you, so, so Susie and I did that for a, a long time. And the holidays are the most exhausting time for a music and arts person at a church because there's like this huge expectation that you do this big thing. You bring it. You bring it. Like <laughs> Christmas and Easter. I mean, I remember Christmases where we, you know, didn't get home till two in the morning. And then we were wrapping gifts for <laughs> and our then kids. Still wrapping gifts. I can remember Easters where we were like setting up until midnight at the church before we had to do like four services the next day. We did full on theatrical musical. It we was wrote, nuts. We wrote musicals at we time did. and we, plays. Yeah. Do you remember there's this one time where we literally like we were on these huge ladders like hanging out. What we did is we hung up we bought all this white and black cloth. Do you remember that? And yes. so we hung out all this white cloth. So you could pull the black. And then we yes. put the black cloth in front of it. And yeah. then at the end of this big dramatic whatever Musical music thing, we number. pulled. We had somebody run up onto these and young people around and just pull, pull down the, the black. black curtains. And then I remember the funny <laughs> part of that is that when that service is over, you've got another service happening in like a half an hour. So it was like, bring the ladders back out. We're back up, <laughs> hanging up more fabric. And it was just nuts. I, it was on Easter. It was one of, I don't know why they thought it was a good idea to, because to, I hadn't been speaking very much at this point, but they actually let me speak once at Easter. Oh, yeah. And you and were like. I did it in a straight jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I rented a straight jacket. Yeah, because you were like bound and chained. Yeah. And then, and then the, like and Jesus the power sets of us the free. Yes. Oh my gosh. Sorry, guys. We're just reminiscing yeah. for a and little bit. And then I remember, because at the end of that, like I was supposed to like bust on out of the straight jacket, but the, the latch got caught. And so the second service, I remember I couldn't get out of it. I was like, well, this is going to mess everything up. And I kind of had to like climb out of it as opposed to like rip it off. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, sexy that's, of a... <laughs> that's not quite as exciting. Matt just climbs out of it. And well, well, and then in later years, like when we had the B-side uh, missional church downtown, like I don't remember an Easter that we didn't have an Easter egg hunt and we a party, had an Easter party, like an Easter brunch. So after mm -hmm. the Easter egg hunt and it would just be cold and wintry, kind of like it is out today yeah, so <laughs> here in Wisconsin, it snowed April fool's dust because we're recording this on April 1st. And this, I guarantee you, like there's some Easter egg hunts happening today around the city. Maybe they <laughs> won't be till you don't it, think it'll be till next. It, yeah, you're probably right. It's the probably Saturday before. Okay, Easter. Okay. Yeah. It'll be fine. But, but yeah, we those, had Easter egg hunts where we were hiding I, eggs in the snow. We were Hiding eggs in the snow. And don't you just remember filling Easter egg after Easter egg with yeah, candy? Those plastic <laughs> Easter eggs. Now, when I grew up, Susie, I don't know if this is how it was in Janesville, but in Boscobel, I promise you, we went to our Easter egg hunt. They hid actual eggs. That's amazing. Like well, that's what my eggs. mom did. We yeah. did hard boiled eggs and she would write with a Sharpie marker, 10 cents, 25 cents. So we'd cash in. <laughs> oh, well, they would actually tape the the goodies onto the eggs oh, in Boscobel. Okay. And I'll never forget, like we'd have like grocery bags <laughs> 
full of hard-boiled eggs. And my mom would just like, yeah, it was disgusting. I don't know what they were thinking. And I remember like we would take the the coins off or the candy off and then mom would just take the bag and like garbage it. Like we are not eating any of those eggs. That's so disgusting. We are not touching them. And then I I just remembered this as we were talking about it on like a personal level because, you know, our kids are 17 and 19 now. But there's also that pressure of like hiding the Easter basket, right? Oh my right? gosh. And we yes. like, we wanted to be serious about it. We didn't want to make this easy on our kids. So we would hide it all over the place. And, 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 uh, and so, you know, just even the adventure of that. And I'll remember, I remember, so our oldest daughter is amazing, stubborn, <laughs> loves to be right. And who doesn't? There was this time, and we always said, hey, if our kids ask, about whether the Easter bunny is real or whether Santa's real. I almost spit my coffee out. I forgot about this story. That when they ask, we're just going to be honest with them. Right. Like we're not going to try to play this out longer than we have to. And so Macy, I don't remember how old she was, but she always figured five. stuff out she pretty early. She was like early. five or six. So she was pretty young. And Georgia was and, three. Uh, yeah. And so we we said, you know, Macy said, I don't think the Easter bunny is real. Yeah, and, she just flat out, I don't like, think he's real. And we're like, you're, you're, you're right. right. And, and, and so then we talked her through it. But then we said, here's the thing, Macy like Georgia still believes in the Easter bunny. And so what we want to make sure that you do is don't tell your sister that the Easter bunny is not real. And so she must have went and like thought about this for a while because how the next, not, how do I not say how do I it not tell, in quotation marks? How do I not tell Georgia it. there's no Easter bunny? And so the next morning, Easter morning, so she talked, I believe this, and we were at your parents' house is where this yes. happened. And uh, the next morning, all of a sudden, Macy is just in this cute little five, six-year-old voice. Is just singing this song. Who's, who uh, who hides the, the eggs? eggs. Wait. <laughs> it goes, who hides the eggs? The, the Easter, Easter bunny. bunny. Who is, is it real? The Easter bunny. <laughs> <laughs> just singing it over and over and over. Because she's like, you didn't say, you just said I couldn't say that the Easter bunny is real. You I didn't say that I couldn't sing. I was like, what was the first line? I remember the I remember <laughs> the tune and the melody and the second part. But it was, who hides the eggs? The, the Easter, Easter bunny. bunny. Who isn't real? The, the Easter bunny. bunny. Now, thankfully, like, Jeej was just too young to, like, Pick it up. Conceptualize what was going on. So I remember like grabbing Maisie. We're like singing counts too. So stop <laughs> the song, kid. And so uh, wow. all that to say, like, man, oh, do you remember when oh, the, no. when our neighbors got their kids little oh, razor oh. scooters? <laughs> no, they they were like eighteen. Oh, they're electrical razor scooters. Yes. They like went okay. on their on their own, and this yes. was like ten years ago. So this wasn't like a thing. I remember our kids looking out our big front window, seeing the neighbor kids with that, their new these electric, these electric scooters that the Easter scooters. Bunny got them, and like the Easter Bunny got our kids like some eggs. like Chocolate. some some you know Bubbles. a dollar in a plastic <laughs> Easter egg and some Chalk. yeah. <laughs> And I remember thinking, like, how are we going to explain to our kids that those kids over there, the Easter Bunny likes them so much that they get razor scooters that are electrical (laughs) and you get bubbles in a coloring book. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And those kids were terrorists. I know. They were mean. They were mean I'm sure they grew up to be just fine, but they were were tough when they were young. So we're like, oh, the Easter Bunny honors their horrible behavior. Anyway. Let's talk about the cycle of what Easter is about. Yeah, sorry. We got on a 
little bit of a, <laughs> we got going there. So I hope you enjoyed that listening. You had our couch time with us. That was couch time. Yeah, that's kind of how it would go. Now, when we talk about Easter, it gets a little tricky because, I mean, we're talking about something that's very, you know, when we talk about faith, we're talking about something supernatural. When we talk about Easter, it's like the most supernatural thing that we talk about because the idea is that Jesus dies on a cross. Everybody saw it. Everybody assumes he's he's a goner, you know, and then um, he rises from the dead. And that's kind of the supernatural part. And a, a ton of people saw him and it was recorded. And so we all are kind of forced to to reckon with this. And then just the idea of like, what does that mean? And kind of the traditional idea of, you know, that representing salvation in some way, shape or form, which I think we all agree with. But then how that looks like it's, it's just so it's just the craziest thing, right? Like if you would hear about Easter and you weren't a Christian and you'd never heard about Christianity and somebody told you that this happened, they would probably laugh at you or roll their eyes or whatever. But this is the thing that, you know, throughout history that we've kind of put our stake in. And so we're not interested in having the answer to how it all went down, the specifics of what meant what. But the beautiful thing about Jesus, the beautiful thing about the Bible, the beautiful thing about Christianity and Judaism is this this common theme. It starts way back in the beginning in the Bible and continues on to Jesus' life, death, death and resurrection, continues on to this day, I believe, which is this constant theme of life, death, yeah. And resurrection. And we see it in, again, we see it in the life of Moses. Um, we certainly see it in the life of Jesus. In some ways, we see it in the life of the early church. And it's such an important, I think, lesson to learn in our own lives. And, and I think in a lot of ways, it's the foundation of why our faith is so important. Because I think we we live this life, right? And we're encouraged through the Bible to, you know, live life and live life to its fullest. And so I know you and I, Susie, have maybe taken that to a little bit of an extreme. Like we, you know, I'm telling you, it's 30 degrees outside and the sun's out and Matt and Susie are on their porch for a happy hour. Like we don't wait around to take take advantage. Yeah, like we are going to make the most of this life and just living life and trying to do that the best that we possibly can. But then the reality is life also includes you know, death. And I don't necessarily mean that specifically actually talking about people dying, although that happens as well. But loss occurs. Loss. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a better way to say it. Like the loss of dreams. We talked about that last night at an event that we were doing for married couples. The loss of expectations, the loss of hopes that we had for our kids or for our life mm -hmm. together or you know, it's, it's well, and a there's these, part of life. Yeah, there's these seasons that we all have. So you know, if if you decide that you're a person that wants to share your life with somebody, like you have the season of, okay, let's talk about marriage. And there's that season. And then there's that cycle of trying to learn how to live life together, right? And do that. And then the next cycle is like, are we going to have kids? Yes. And then the next cycle, like, and you're figuring all of that out. And there's life and death and joy and resurrection mm -hmm. and all of those circumstances and experiences. And then like your kids leave the house. That's another season, another cycle of empty nest. Yeah. Your parents are getting older. That's another yeah. cycle. There's so much like goodness and hardness yeah. in life you know, dealing with this, this whole idea of life, death, resurrection, like we got to keep growing as mm -hmm. human beings, you know, and yeah. figuring it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, we're kind of at one of these spaces with our kids right now. Like it's, 
It's like, so our our youngest is seventeen, going to be a senior next year. That's weird coming out of. It's weird, and she's graduating graduating early. early even. Yeah. So we don't know how much longer that kid's going to be in our house. And now there's part of that. The life part of us is like. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have the house doors. Like, we're going to live it up. It's going to be like newlywed time again. Fresh start. Fresh start. But then there's another part of us, and we already experienced it with our oldest, Macia, who who moved out. And, and like, there's a death that comes. Like, you, yeah. met, like I'll never forget when Macy moved out, walking past her bedroom and just feeling so sad. Oh, I know. And family dinners. Because mm-hmm. we rocked family dinners. Yeah. We rocked. We we did family dinners pretty much every night. And so yeah. that was, that now, was really weird. Now we have, we still have four chairs around the table, but three of them are filled at family dinner time. And it's still, it's this weird thing. And so life hands you a lot of that. I, I mean, and, and same thing, you know, even like, you know, Macy, our, our oldest now has this boyfriend and they're like this week as we're speaking, like she's down at his parents' house. Like they're getting kind of serious and things like that, which is exciting. And we're so for that. And I can remember that part of our life as well. And I remember like, even like the excitement of getting married, married right mm-hmm. i remember that you know we'll never forget that day and then you go on we went on a honeymoon to jamaica that we were fortunate to be able to go on and i'll never forget the death the feeling of death the day that you got back and had to go to work the next oh, day oh yes you know or so when every like, monday comes around <laughs> yeah for a lot of people for every monday not so much for us but and so life is just full of this uh, of uh, our life everybody's life is full of life and death you have you're living and you're trying to make the most of your life and then you come across things that are hard you come across loss um you come across um frustration right but the key thing here that that did come out of our conversation last night too or maybe it was even this morning before we started but it doesn't matter i digress who who knows we're getting kind of old now it is surrender like surrender to the process that all of this stuff is normal. All of this stuff happens to some of us. It's harder. We maybe have some harder situations than other people, but everybody's dealing with this on some level. And I think the lesson here is, and like what Jesus taught us is like, he constantly surrendered to the process, to the will of the father. Like he just, he was okay with that. And or at least, you know, from what we, we read and we understand, I mean, obviously he was grieving in the garden. So there was times he, mm-hmm. he was sad and he was probably had questions himself. And he said, if you can, can you take this cup yeah, from me? Yeah, you got another yeah. option. Let's go that route. So, you know, but there was this, he still learned and showed us how to surrender to our process. And that was something that I shared last night at this couples event was just like, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, hey, just relax a little bit in this process because things have a way of working themselves out and just trust me. And I find myself saying a lot to God lately. I trust you. I believe you. I trust you. I believe you. Like this is going to work out. Let me not be the thing that stops the process. Hmm. You know, I the process needs to unfold how it's going to unfold. The journey needs to unfold how it's going to unfold. I don't want to get in the way. I could delay the journey if I you know. Yeah, and I think a lot of times we do because we're uncomfortable with loss because loss is hor- like nobody likes loss. It's right. the worst, right? And so... um you know, but if we're able to, this is where Easter comes in. And this is, I love that Easter. And, you know, we don't necessarily know exactly when historically this happened, but I love that we celebrate Easter at the beginning of spring because it is a new beginning. And, True. you know, with the, with chapel, we're following the seasons. And so this is going to be our first spring. And so spring represents this idea of resurrection. We see it in nature. 
well, hypothetically, not today we don't, <laughs> but soon we're going to see blossoms and leaves on the trees. And that is, you know, nature shows us life, death, and resurrection through I the seasons. Know. It's crazy how, how like that. God just allows us to see it every single year that goes by. And so now as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we also get to see resurrection all around us in nature. And then hopefully we get to reflect on resurrection in our own lives. And what that means is simply that mm-hmm. on the other side of loss, comes resurrection. It will look different based on the loss that we're talking about, you know, but if we allow it, it will come. Mm-hmm. And and the most important thing that I think I've learned recently is what you just said. It's like there's no when you're in a space of loss or when you're in the space of grief or when you're in the space of death that um the worst thing that you can do is fight against it. You know, you just have to you <laughs> and have boy, to have I. <laughs> yeah, we both have. The thing that we need to do is allow ourselves to feel it, allow ourselves to experience it so we can learn everything that we need to to learn through that experience so that we're ready for the resurrection on the other Mm -hmm. side of it. And I'm not here to tell you what that resurrection will look like. I have met a million people that have gone through all sorts of different types of loss and struggle in their life. And almost, if not all of them, almost all of them will also share how there was goodness on the other side of it. Like nobody ever wants, you know, going back to talking about, you know, Rachel Scott with Rachel's challenge, like, Nobody would wish that on anybody. Nobody thinks that should have happened. I wouldn't for a second put that on God's will or anything like that. But after her literal death, what has happened oh, is yeah. every single year that organization gets about 150 communications from kids who chose not to take their lives because of the program. So that's resurrection is it what is. that is. So And it's been around for 20, 20 years. So do the math of how many kids' lives mm-hmm. have been saved. And, um, and we've been in front of, every year we're in front of hundreds of thousands of kids teaching them about kindness and compassion. That's what resurrection looks like. It's not because, not because anybody, like, again, like, Gosh, I can't even imagine going through what Daryl and Sandy and that family had to go through. Um, but then to see what they did with that and how they allowed this to be resurrected. And uh, again, if you ask Daryl, he'd say, would you choose this program or your daughter? He'd say his daughter every time. But but based on the fact that that's a reality of his life, right. he's very thankful that her memory has gone and, and done these incredible things in her life has. So I wanted to share something that I just had thought about this morning. I don't know if you want to call it a revelation or not, but I asked him out as we were having breakfast. I'm like, hey, can you just read the story of the resurrection since we're going to be talking on your podcast? And I just want to see if anything jumps out at me or is significant. And something happened that was really beautiful and profound and I think a gift to me. So if I can just share it with you. So Mary is sitting outside the tomb and she's grieving and she's sad and the angels come and she's saying, what did you do with the body? She's asking those questions and then she turns around and behind her, she thinks it's a gardener. It Mm -hmm. says like, she's like, where, where did you put his body? And because he, she was crying. I think he said what Mary, or he said, what's wrong? You know, what, what do you look at? Or like, why are you crying? Yeah. Why are you crying? And um, she was like, well, where is his body? And she was kind of pleading, crying out. I'm sure she was in just shock and grief and yeah, all of she that. Was, she was right in the heart of loss, like extreme loss, grief, death, literally. But here's the key. It was Jesus that was talking to her. It wasn't the gardener, although that's a cool <laughs> reference. Um, but 
it was Jesus that was talking to her, but she didn't realize it, you guys, because he was unrecognizable. He was unrecognizable. And I just thought about that. And I, it wasn't even necessarily about the appearance that I was, what did his appearance change? Like what happened? What was unrecognizable about Jesus? So there's two things here, but I want to be unrecognizable from my death to resurrection. I want to be such a new person standing up in my new space and in my new life and in my new authority or whatever you want to call it, not authority in a bad way, but just confidence. And so to me, I just thought, well, that's really cool. I want Jesus is unrecognizable in the resurrection to Mary who spent years with him knows, knows what he looks like and sounds like, but the, and, and I think that's really cool because you do like, right? Like after you go through hardship and you, you learn things through that and you become kind of a different person on the other side of it. Like what we, that's what we're talking about with the resurrection here. Like you are a different, different person. person. And if you allow yourself to go through the process in a healthy and meaningful way, you'll be a different person for the better. I know. And I told Matt, I'm like, I want that. I'm claiming that for my life because I want to be new from all of our experiences. But the other thing that's so beautiful and that there's so much power in is she didn't recognize him, you guys, until he said, Mary. He said her name and then she recognized him. And there is so much power in understanding our value and our worth and who we are in Jesus. Like he knows our name. And so that was really moving to me as well. I'm like, it's so interesting to me that yeah, this, he had to say her name before yeah, she recognized super powerful. him. powerful. Yeah. And then, there, I mean, there's another time as I was, as you were mentioning that, like there's a time when resurrected Jesus like rolls up on a couple of the disciples walking and they don't recognize him either. So there is like this reoccurring theme of being unrecognizable. At first, when Jesus is standing on the shore, we talked about this last month and the disciples are in the boat. They didn't recognize him at first. Yep. And then they figured out who they, who he was after a while. And so I do think it seems like that's a theme that we're supposed to get, get something yeah. out of. And, and not that we can pretend to know the mind of Jesus of like, here's what I want you to get out of this. But there's something to be said in this line of life, death and resurrection in the resurrection phase of, of life. You know, you should look new different. creation. Yeah, you should look, should different. look different. And and I hope for anybody who's who's going through a hardship right now, I just hope that's encouraging to you that um as you move through this hardship, if you do it in a healthy way, and by healthy, I mean, allow yourself to feel it. By healthy, we mean allow other people into that journey with you. Don't try to do it alone. That's what I always try to do, and it always goes bad. Um, so let people in that hard journey with you. And if you just allow yourself to do it in a healthy way, you will come across on the other side as a unrecognizable person, a person probably with more wisdom, Joy, more to offer. Peace. I mean, the people that I've been inspired by in my life all of them have been through like crazy hardships and they came out on the other side. Think mm -hmm. about like the greatest historical figures we ever talk about. They're people that resurrected out of some stuff and, um, and, and were changed and mm -hmm. changed people because of it. So as we think about Easter and as we move toward Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, um, do what, do what you need to do to enjoy the day. If you want to come to chapel, do that. If you want to go to church, do that. If you want to hide your Easter basket, go crazy. Um, we still do that from time to time around here, but just enjoy the fun things about it. And, but most importantly, 
just take a little time to think about life and this theme of life and death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. And just to encourage you, and we'll be doing a a tamer version of this at Easter for Music, but if some of you need that encouragement, there was a song this week that Matt sent me. It's called Fear Is Not My Future by Tasha Cobbs Leonard, and it spoke and it just sang over me. The Lord just sang over me when I listened to this song and it spoke such life to me and I was so grateful for it. And it talks about that very thing, like this kind of idea of resurrecting things that have fallen apart in your life and whatnot. And and there's this part that just, just even how they sing it is so tender and sweet. It's a new horizon, you know, and they just sing that over and over again and it's a new day. And so with like gospel harmonies, oh, like it's pretty, it's pretty spectacular. It's unreal. So anyway, we're going to do that. We're going to do that on Easter. We're going to do it on Easter. All right, I'm ready. Well, thank you all for joining the podcast. Thank you, Susie, for being here. Uh, and I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful Easter. We'll see some of you at chapel, I hope. And you can find me on social media, even though I hate social media with a passion (laughs) on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, oh, my website is just mattkinzera.com. And as always, oh, and you can find Susie on wildlily.me. Check out what she's up to. Pretty spectacular. Send me a note. I like a note. Just send a note. Just a note of whatever. You know where they have that like submission? Yeah. Just do it. Susie. Just do it for fun. But until next time, let's keep chasing goodness together.